Amen. I think that deserves a holy shout this morning on three. Praise the Lord. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you will uh, grab your Bibles and remain standing with me as we prepare for our Scripture reading this morning and turn to the book of James. Toward the end of your Bible in the New Testament, James chapter 3, as we'll be reading, I'll be reading verses 1 through 12. As Pastor Chris continues uh, the series in James, the tongue's toxic talk. Pastor Chris will be preaching on the text of James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. If you need a pew Bible, there's one in front of you. Pastor Chris, I think that Pastor Bruce goes on vacation just to leave you with the, uh, the, the great passages. Here is Daniel's dreams a couple years ago. Now it's this, so here we go. We're going to be reading, follow along with me in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the book of James that we've been studying these past several months, and, and uh, the applications to our lives, and to, to live out our faith. Lord, I ask that you would be with Pastor Chris, and I thank you for his, his studies this week, and the preparation uh, on this text. Lord, and that we would uh, be ready to hear things that maybe we, we may not want to hear, but we, we need to hear, and, uh, and that we would apply them to our lives. Just be with Pastor Chris as he brings the word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Zach. Yeah, this is one of those passages none of us is going to leave here untouched, I promise you, this morning. Well, let me begin with this question. What is the deadliest toxin that exists in the world? Now, scientists differ about the relative toxic levels of substances But there seems to be an agreement that botulinum toxin is the most toxic substance known on the planet. A mere one nanogram, I have no clue what that is, sounds really tiny. One nanogram per kilogram can kill a human. An intravenous dose of merely 10 to the negative 7 power grams would be fatal to a 155-pound person. Now, you may know this toxin 
as botulism. It's also the active ingredient in the cosmetic Botox. Nothing like uh, sticking the greatest poison in your face and paying for the option. It's unbelievable. The Listen, but as bad as that is, the number one poison on the planet, according to the book of James and this, this passage that Zach just read, is toxic talk. The number one poison on the planet. Conversation that contains a poison causing serious harm or death. And the number one source of that number one poison is the tongue. The tongue. Yeah, that's right. We all have it in our mouths. Now, you may disagree. You may think, now, how can our tongue and our talk be worse than the most deadly poison on the planet? After all, weren't we all taught to say, and I want you to say it with me, it'll be on the screen, sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, that's a lie. That's a lie. Okay? It's a lie. It's a lie. Listen, we don't need our Bibles to tell us that words hurt because life has already taught us that reality. Remember this playground gem? I am rubber. You are glue. What you say to me bounces off of me and sticks to you. But you know, our heart's not made of rubber. Words don't bounce off our hearts. They are like arrows. They pierce they penetrate, they poison, they kill. Proverbs 18.21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now medically, they say it's only a two-ounce slab of mucus, muscle, and nerves that enables you to chew, taste, swallow, speak, and apparently in France helps you to kiss. But relationally, it's a two-ounce uncontrollable beast that is capable of unlimited destruction. It may very well be the world's smallest weapon of mass destruction. It certainly is the most available. Every one of us carried it in with us into this room this morning. And universally, it's the number one source of the number one poison on the planet the toxic talk of the tongue. And just to get into this message, I want to remind us that toxic talk is a pandemic. You don't need uh, Dr. Fauci to tell us this. Everybody has received its deadly poison. There's not a person here that hasn't been poisoned by toxic talk. Proverbs says, the one who speaks rashly thrusts like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue that heals, it's a tree of life. But a devious tongue breaks the spirit. Literally, the Hebrew means a fracture in your spirit. He who conceals that transgression seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates friends. Listen, every one of us here, every one of us here has had your spirit fractured by the words of another. Everyone here has been pierced and wounded. You have lost relationships. You have seen severed marriages, families, 
We've all have it. You, some are even here this morning, and that wound is fresh, and it is bleeding, and it is hurting. We've all been poisoned. How many here, how many here still remember as a child hearing, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're fat. Why can't you be more like, and you can already fill in that name. Those wounds are real. But it's equally true that everyone here spreads its deadly poison. Not only have you received it, you've dished it out. Here's what Paul says in Romans 3. There is none righteous, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongue they have practiced deceit. The poison of vipers is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Folks, that's not people out there. That's us people in here. That is in our mouths. And as you read through the Old Testament, you can go to the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, and that dear saint was called blameless before God. And yet, do you know that he sinned with his mouth by the end of the book when he had encountered God in all his awesome majesty, he said, I put my hand on my mouth, I shall not utter another word. His sin was talking too much. Think of Moses, who lost his cool and gave a tongue lashing to the disobedient people of Israel. Parents, can you relate? They were disobedient. They deserved, they needed a rebuke. What they didn't need was a tongue lashing. And it cost Moses entry into the promised land. Think of Isaiah, the greatest prophet perhaps in the Old Testament. Isaiah, when he encountered the thrice holy God, his immediate reaction was to confess, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And then the apostle Peter, think of him, verbally denied Christ three times and cussed while he did it. And prior to doing it, he proudly boasted, I'll never deny you. I'll die before that happens. And the sun didn't even rise before he had done it three times. You see, a little toxic talk goes a long ways. Have you ever gotten food poisoning at a restaurant? You don't get food poisoning and immediately go back and say, I want some more, okay? A lot of times you won't ever go to that particular restaurant or eat that particular food ever again. The rest of the food could be great. You ever been to the meat market and you see some meat turning green? The rest could be fresh as could be. But you're not going to take part of that. You're going to expect that butcher to look at all the food and take care that it never appears. You might be here this morning and only 1% or 2% of your speech is toxic talk. But that 1% or 2% can taint the rest of 90% of what you say. And I just imagine, <laughs> if you're like me, by the time you're going to be done with this message, it's not going to be 1% or 2%. So let's find out what it is. The problem is, and this is the third truth, everybody is better at diagnosing it in others than themselves. You see, this is one of those messages that James says the Word of God is like a mirror that's supposed to reflect us. But we turn the mirror around, and we're like in this message, 
Boy, I hope she hears this. Boy, I hope she gets this. this. They need this. Maybe the person sitting next to you, you're thinking. But that's not what we need to be doing. We need to be looking at me. You need to be looking at you. Because God wants to get that toxic talk. In fact, this letter is a sermon. It's a sermon put down into words. It's a sermon transcript. And in every single chapter, as we move through this book, James touches on speech in every single chapter multiple of times. Even the social sins that he addresses, and we've already addressed several in chapters 1 and 2, those are all geared towards you say this, and you say that, and you say to them this, and you say to God this. It's rooted in our mouth. So I want you to get this picture, and it'll be up on the screen. Like a doctor, James is asking us to open our mouths, stick out our tongues, and say, ah, and let the Holy Spirit diagnose how much toxic talk is in our tongues. So let's ask God. God, open my ears. God, open my eyes. God, give me a teachable heart that I can see the toxic talk in my life this morning. So let's look at the power of toxic talk, and then we're going to look at the priority of a daily detox. So let's begin with the power of toxic talk, and it's going to be illustrated. It always makes me think, when I read James, I think of William Carey, that great missionary. He was a great missionary, the father of modern missions, lived in England, 1800s. But apparently, he wasn't a great preacher. Carey sought ordination, but after hearing him preach, the ordination committee hesitated because of his lack of illustrations. One of the pastors said to him, Brother Carey, you have no likes in your sermon. Christ taught that the kingdom of heaven was like leaven in bread, like a grain of mustard. You tell us what things are, but you never tell us what they are like. Well, James is a great preacher by that measure. In this passage, the verses that was read to us, through chapter 3, look in your Bibles, verses 1 through 12, two-thirds of this is illustrations, and he's done it all the way through this book. So I want to take you through five likes that are found in here and see the power of the tongue. Number one, the tongue's power to direct our entire life. To direct our entire life. Look again at verses 2 through 5. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Now, if we put, here it is, bits into the horse's mouth so they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. They are so great and are driven by strong winds and are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the, pass, of the pilot desires. So also the tongue. It's a small part of the body, yet it boasts great things. So we have here the illustration of the little bitty bit 
in the mighty horse's mouth and the tiny little rudder in the big ship. And here's the idea. What you say, what you don't say, and simply how you say it can determine the direction of your entire life and the lives of the people around you. Just like that little bit of metal in the horse's mouth. Just like that little rudder on the ship. And verse 5 drives it home. The tongue is a small part, yet it boasts great things. You see, there's an inverse impact to size ratio. This little piece of metal can determine where a mighty, powerful horse will go and stop and how fast it will do it. Our tiny tongue has that same kind of impact on others. You say, how so? Well, think about Romans 3 again. When Paul talks about the depravity of our hearts, he says their throat is an open grave. Their tongues keep deceiving The poison of vipers is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed. Before he even gets to feet, he's listed four aspects of our mouths. That's how big of an impact. But there's also an inverse influence to size ratio. We see this on the mighty ship. And this ship that you see up there is the USS Eisenhower. It's one of the biggest ships in the world. It's an aircraft carrier. It weighs 91,000 tons, and yet it floats. It's nearly 1,100 feet in length. It has a nuclear-powered 280,000 horsepower engine. That's a lot of horses. It houses 6,100 men and women. It carries nearly 100 aircraft. It's vast. It's a floating city unto itself. And yet all that weight, all that personnel, all that hardware are steered by a rudder that's just a tenth of 1% of the ship's size. A tenth of 1%. They say the tongue is said to be less than one half percent of our body weight. I'm not, I'm not sure how you weigh a tongue without hurting somebody, so don't try that at home. But it's less than one-half percent of our body weight. What influence? What impact? Our missionary Keith Gandy, uh, missionary to Germany, says that in Germany, you will not be effective if you preach in a loud and boisterous manner, what many Americans and many churches are used to. You know why? Because Hitler led an entire nation down a path of a destruction with his toxic talk that was delivered in this very fashion. And yet here we are, generations later, his toxic talk still influencing an entire nation. You see, the tongue is super powerful, out, all out of proportion to its size. You say, well, can it be used for good? Can't that influence be used for good? Well, yes, but no, because the natural tendency of the tongue is to destroy. So look at the second illustration. The tongue's power to destroy entire lives. Look at the second part of verse 5 in your your Bibles. See how great 
a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. The illustration is this, the little spark and the huge fire. The great Chicago fire in 1871 burned down almost one half of the city, destroying 1,700 buildings, killing over 230 people, and leaving 125,000 people homeless. All because the lady's cow kicked over the lantern. In 1953, a pan of rice boiled over onto a charcoal stove in a small home in Korea. And before 24 hours had passed, almost 3,000 buildings were completely destroyed within an area of one square mile. You know what the top three states for forest fires and burned acreage are? You get the first one, California, Texas, and North Carolina. One small spark because of a careless camper, because of a flicked cigarette. And here's what one Bible student put it this way. One spark is sufficient to set a whole forest ablaze. Stately oaks, majestic cedars, Tall pines are reduced to unsightly stumps of blackened wood. And that one spark can be usually attributed to human carelessness and neglect. Listen, most of our toxic talk isn't because we intend it. It's because we're careless and neglectful and we don't daily detox our talk. He goes on to say, when we calculate the annual damage done to our forests by devastating fires, the amount runs into millions in addition to the untold suffering and death inflicted on humans and wildlife in the areas. Remember that old camp song, Pass It On? Some of you may. It's, It's an oldie. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Well, I was going to sing it, but I'm not. And soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you spread his love to everyone you want to pass it on. Anybody remember that one? Am I, I mean, surely somebody's old enough here. Okay. But that's not how it is with toxic talk, okay? It goes like this. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can burn up in its raging. That's how it is with toxic talk. Once you've said it, you spread its poison to everyone. You begin to pass it on. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Folks, Nothing will cook your goose faster than a red-hot tongue. Wars claim thousands of lives started by mere words. Marriages that were once set sail on a joyous adventure have been steered to the rocks of divorce by the rudder of misguided words. You know, this October October will be 32 years here at LifeBridge, and I'm telling you, I cannot think of a single counseling situation in over 32 years that wasn't either started or seriously complicated by words. So let me ask you this morning, who gets the brunt of your sharp 
subtle, sarcastic tongue? Who gets burned by your rage and angry and bitter words? And let's be honest, it's usually those closest to us, right? Those closest to us. People with sharp tongues end up cutting their own throats. So James is not done, though. We wish he were, but he's not. The power of the tongue to direct, to destroy. Thirdly, he shows us the power of the tongue to defile entire lives, entire lives. And he has it in verse 6. Look in your Bibles. This is jam-packed with powerful truth about the defiling nature of the tongue. Verse 6 says this, The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Let me show you the illustration of a fire set on fire by hellfire. That's the idea. Four aspects in this one verse. First of all, let's look at its capacity for evil is unmatched. The tongue is an ecosystem of iniquity in our mouths. It's a network of sinfulness. It is a mafia in your mouth. Listen, name any sin, and somehow, some way, it had its start in words. Think of the fall of the human race. It all began with a verbal question. Has God said? And what ensued was a discussion that led to the biting of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and the falling of the human race. You know, the tongue is just unique. Most sin could be avoided right at the mouth. Proverbs doesn't have a whole section about the elbow. It doesn't have a whole section about the little pinky. It doesn't have a session that says, guard your big toe, for out of it comes the issues of life. And yet Proverbs has a whole section on the tongue. It is unique. It is a, its capacity is unmatched. Secondly, its corruption is infectious. It is an infectious virus. It defiles the whole body. Jesus said this in Matthew to his disciples. Hear and understand. It is not what enters into your mouth that defiles the man, but what proceeds out of the mouth. This defiles the man. I remember doing during COVID uh, when they were talking about contact and distancing and all that, and they would put some uh, infrared translucent uh, uh, material on people's hands, and then they would film them as they touch their hands, they touch this, and by the time they're done, and within a few hours, the whole room has been contaminated. And that's exactly what happens with toxic talk. Thirdly, its course can last for generations beyond the moment it is set. The course, it sets the course, the pattern of your whole life. It is estimated that 250 people died per
her word of Hitler's Mein Kampf. Listen, it can have generational impact what you say. This very day, this very day can do that. And fourthly, its core is the very fire of hell itself. It is set on fire by hell fire. And the word for hell there is Gehenna. And Gehenna was the valley that was to the side of Jerusalem. It was the valley of Hinnom, which in the Old Testament was the place where the cult of Molech would offer up child sacrifices to the god Molech. And in their apostasy, Israel would go in that valley and sacrifice their children to a false god, though they were the people of Yahweh. And when they finally repented as a nation, they were so ashamed of what they had done in that valley, they turned it in to the garbage dump of the city of Jerusalem. And so all the human refuse would go in that valley. All the dead corpses that had no proper burial would be thrown in that valley. Crucified criminals would be thrown in that valley. We just sang a chorus saying that Jesus was buried in Joseph's tomb. If Joseph of Arimathea had not intervened, they would have tossed our Savior's body into that trash heap where the fires burned continually and maggots ate on dead, rotting trash and flesh. And Jesus said, look at that garbage dump. That's a picture of eternal judgment in hell. And James is saying, that is a picture of what sets your toxic talk on fire. Out of our mouths come human refuse and waste that is set on fire by hell. Now, when I read this passage and I think of hell fire, I can't help but think of my grandfather on my mother's side. Grandpa Rasmussen had a stroke when I was young. And I remember him pre-stroke, but most of my childhood, I remember him having this stroke where his right side was paralyzed and it affected his speech. And the only thing he could say, he could say one word, and he said it a lot. It was, hell's fire. I mean, I don't, you, you, Grandpa, how you doing? Hell's fire. Grandpa, are you hungry? Hell's fire. Grandpa, and, and then he could do tones on it. You know, I mean, you knew when it was a happy hell's fire. You knew when it was an angry hell's fire. But all it was was hell's fire. Folks, that's what comes out of our mouths. We don't say that word, but what's coming out of our mouths, what's coming in our toxic talk is hell's fire. The poison of toxic talk directs, destroys, it defiles, and number four, the tongue's power to defy every human effort to control it. It defies every human effort. Look at verses 7 and 8 in your Bibles. For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. And you know what? That's biblical. Because we have a mandate as the human race from Genesis 1 to bring all of creation under our control. Now, I don't think the Lord meant for us to have elephants 
play soccer and dogs bark jingle bells and chimps communicate with sign language and dolphins that shoot basketballs better than I do, which is not saying much, but they do. But we have brought all that. But look at verse 8. But no one, no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And so the first illustration here is the untamable beast. And as I said, all these animals have been controlled by mankind down through the ages. But there's one beast that not even Ringling Brothers Circus can tame, and that is the tongue. And then he says this illustration of an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, and no Gwen. I do not have a picture of a snake because I love you. I care for you. And I think there might be other people in this room that don't want to see that. But the picture is a poisonous snake. Tongues have a deadly poison lying right under your tongue. Right under your tongue is a deadly poison that can strike suddenly with deadly consequences. Psalm 140 verse 3 says this, They sharpen their tongues as a serpent. Poison of a viper is under their lips. Selah. Pause and think about the poison, the deadly poison in your mouth. In regions of South America, there's a snake called the two-step snake. You know why it's called the two-step snake? Because if you get bit by it, you take two steps and you're dead. It's venom will paralyze your nervous system and it will stop your heart. Well, here's the reality. Our toxic talk can be like that. It has the potential to swiftly kill a relationship, paralyze love, poison minds, destroy faith, stain purity, and destroy reputations. But perhaps the most depressing problem of all with the power of the tongue is number five. The tongue's power to display the true condition of our hearts. The illustration in verses 9 through 12 is a spring of fig tree and a grapevine. Look at James 3, 9 through 12. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. We go vertical. With it, we curse men. We go horizontal, who have been made in the likeness of God. And we can do one or the other in a split second. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. Look, from the same mouth, verse 10, come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Answer me this, does it? No. Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? What's the answer? No. Can a vine produce figs? What's the answer? No. Neither can salt water produce fresh. Listen, listen, it's amazing. How quickly we can finish singing the last praise song here at church on Sunday and then begin to complain about someone or something. 
something we didn't like at church, someone that wasn't doing what we thought they should be doing, someone we were watching instead of paying attention. And then we begin to harp on our children or tear down our spouse. Listen, let's be honest. We can spew forth toxic talk before we come to church, on the way to church, on the way home from church, and now with smartphones, we can do toxic texting while we are at church. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. And here it is, the important truth to remember. It's not your literal tongue that is the problem. It's the rider that holds the bridle. It's the pilot that steers the rudder. It's the source of the spring. It's the root of the tree. Remember, the true source of our toxic talk is the heart. Our speech is the outward evidence of our inward condition. Now, I want to read you a quote by one of my most favorite authors, J.C. Ryle. Uh, I quit underlining his books because I just basically highlighted the whole page. But here's a quote, and I got it up here. I want you to see it. The state of the heart as seen by the tongue. Let it be a settled principle again in our religion that when a person's general conversation is ungodly, their heart is graceless and unconverted. Let us not give way to the vulgar notion that no one can know the state of another's heart, and that although people are living wickedly, they have got good hearts at the bottom. Such notions are flatly contradictory to our Lord's teaching. Is the general tone of a person's communication carnal, worldly, irreligious, godless, or profane? Then let us understand that this is the state of their heart. When a person's tongue is extensively wrong, it is absurd, no less unscriptural, to say that their heart is right. The tongue is neither friend nor foe. It is the mere messenger of the depravity of our own hearts. Your tongue daily reveals the true heart condition at that moment and what lies beneath. Your tongue reveals the utter sinfulness at the core of our being. Your tongue reveals our total inability to change our own heart. Otherwise, it wouldn't be coming out. Listen, every time you read tongue in the Bible, think heart. Every time you read tongue, think heart. This is why no one can really tame their tongue because the heart of the problem is always the what? The heart. It's always the heart. And the heart is desperately wicked. So who can know it? much less change it. So that brings us to the priority of daily detox. The priority of a daily detox. And it's explained for us up in James 3, 1 through 2. Notice James 3, 1 through 2. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such as such we will incur a stricter judgment. 
For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, why does James warn us to think twice about being teachers? Well, I think there's two basic reasons, and and you, you know this. Teachers talk a lot more than others, and the more you talk, the more apt you are to sin. You realize that's in Proverbs. Proverbs says, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. The second reason is, when teachers talk, their walk needs to match their talk. Now, you read this warning, and it's like a pastor's nightmare. No one is ever going to volunteer to teach again. You know, after this message, you know, so before you resign as a teacher or refuse to volunteer as a teacher, let remember three things. First of all, every di- disciple is accountable for the same standard as a teacher. All of us, our walk needs to match our talk, amen? So you don't get out of it by not being a teacher. Secondly, every true Christian desires to grow to maturity, and the same measure of maturity is found in verse 2 for everyone. If spiritual maturity is measured by a tame tongue due to a surrendered heart. That's true for all of us. And thirdly, I really think James may have in mind that puffed-up believer who runs their mouth all the time as if they're an expert on everything. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just get on social media, okay? I mean, you know, it's the, it's, it's the, everyone's a teacher. And let me explain these things. But here's the bottom line. Every disciple needs to grow in the ability to control your tongue. So here's the deal. Make daily detox a priority and do it with our triune God. Let me give you three things to think about and to do. First of all, Ask God the Father for wisdom to think before you speak. Ask God the Father for wisdom to think before you speak. James 1.19 has already taught us, be slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak. James 1.5 has already told us that if you're in a trouble, you're in a temptation, ask God for wisdom because he gives generously. If we would just start each day, oh, Father God, grant me the wisdom to think, and let me give you an acronym, T-H-I-N-K. T, is it true? Is it true? You know how much garbage is shared on social media simply because we don't first verify if it's true? I've, I've, I've even had pastors send me links to articles, and I read the, uh, the headline, And then I read the article, and it has nothing to do with the headline. Listen, is it true? Don't hit like, don't hit share until you verify. Is it true? H, is it helpful? Is it helpful? Is it uplifting? Not everything true is said at the right moment for it to be helpful, okay? And that which hurts can be helpful if it's the scalpel of a surgeon, right? Instead of the stabbing of a serial killer. I, is it inspiring? Does it build up? And again, rebuke 
can be inspiring to repent. But is, is my motive here to build up or is it to be negative? And is it necessary? Not everything needs to be said or texted or clicked or shared or responded to. And then the K is, is it kind? What's my motive? Am I saying this in kindness? And you and I, we need God's wisdom to discern all of that because we don't know our heart. Because you know what? Everything I say, I'm just letting you in. Everything I say is true and is to help others. But I have found so many others that what they say is untrue and it's meant to hurt others. But what I say is helpful. You see, we need discernment. Second of all, trust God the Son who is the gospel. He is the gospel to change your talk. I don't know about you. I mean, I come through this message. I've had to live with it this week, and we got a mattress that we need to return, and I've been on customer service calls for two and a half days, and let me tell you, I'm like, okay, Jesus, help me. I'm going to preach on this Sunday. Help me. Help me, Jesus. I'm walking around with that phone. It drove me nuts. But here's the point. Because I was aware, I was discerning. And I know, I know that no matter how powerful the tongue is, Jesus' resurrection is stronger still. Amen? Jesus died for our sins in our place, and he rose again from the dead to rule over all things, including the power of the tongue. In Christ, we have died to the old way of talking. And in Christ, we have risen and are alive to a new way of talking. I love this story. There's there's the story on a windswept hill in an English country cemetery stands an old tombstone that reads, Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue, okay? And you know what? There's truth in that because until you die in Christ, your tongue is going to be out of control. But when you are placed in Christ, your tongue has died to that old way of cussing, cursing, gossiping, slandering, boasting, flattery. It's so many sins of speech. And you have been risen again to enable to offer up the sacrifices of praise. You can put off lying and put on speaking truth. You can put off cussing and put on praising. You can put off gossiping and put on silence. You can put off grumbling and put on thanksgiving. You can put off tearing down and put on building up. You can put off boastful words and put on humble words. Learning to speak in several languages is impressive, but it's not nearly as valuable as learning to keep your mouth shut in one. And how do we do it? Number three, submit to God the Spirit to control your tongue. Submit to God the Spirit to control your tongue. When you go to Ephesians 5, it's amazing. It says this, Don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. That's wasteful, useless. But be filled with the Spirit. 
And then you know what the first thing that changes when you're filled with the Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And then the very next thing, giving thanks to the Lord. It's amazing when you study this, how the changed heart immediately changes speech. Beloved, because of our hearts are filled with toxic talk, make it a priority to daily detox with the Trinity of our awesome God. With your heads bowed, if you need more help with this, and God knows I do, there's a handout that you could have picked up, and if you didn't, pick it up on your way out. But let me say to us, as we, as we quiet our hearts and respond now to what the Spirit and the Word has said, If you haven't crossed over from unbelief to belief, you can do that this morning. If you haven't crossed over from darkness to light, you can do that this morning. You can do it right now. You can just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that your son has died in my place. He rose again with righteousness to give it as a free gift. I receive it right now. I turn from my sins and submit to your lordship. I want to be your son or your daughter. Or you can write on the connection card, I want someone to walk me through this. I need help to know where I am and to be sure of my salvation. Well, here's the good news. Jesus is ready to forgive your sins and to give you a new way of talking this morning. Many of you have been transformed by the gospel already. But maybe this morning you know you're struggling with controlling your tongue. And today is the time to commit again, again, commit. Lord, I surrendered my tongue as a weapon of grace, as a weapon of blessing, not cursing. Lord, help me again to be reminded a changed heart results in change. Our Father, who is in heaven, may your name be hallowed in our talk here on earth as it is in heaven. May we speak according to your will and not our own. Give us each day what we need to detox our talk, to build up versus tearing down, to to be thankful versus grumbling, whatever it is but to sing your praises. And Lord, if we need to ask forgiveness of someone this morning that has been brought to our mind because of our words, let us quickly do it. And let us grant forgiveness just as you in Christ Jesus have forgiven us. We surrender our tongues as a people this morning to you, knowing the real issue is the surrendering of our hearts on a daily basis. We thank you, Father, for your Son and for your Spirit who makes all of this happen for your glory and our good. Amen and amen.